What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grind Line podcast. You are listening to episode 76 and we are back after a week off where we were either working or sick or dying or one of those things. But I am joined tonight by Ryan and Tyler. How are you fellas doing? Absolutely fantastic. We're on episode 76, 76, 1776, America. Goddamn right. (laughs) America. Tyler, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, especially with what transpired on Saturday at noon. You beat a shitty football team. It's still a rival, Ryan. It's still it's a, a it's rival. A bad, it's a bad football team. It's a bad football team, but we embarrassed them. Well, I would hope so. Everyone's embarrassed in this exactly. season. Exactly. Well, it, they don't even really have a football team, and, and their coach deserves to be fired, but that's besides the point. Well, uh, fuck because... that guy, and, and we did everything that he that would deserve to be done to him, we did to him on Saturday. So we'll go into hockey now. But Yeah, we've I got, we've got uh, quite a bit to talk about since we recorded last, if you remember, last episode. If you haven't checked it out, it was our interview with Darren McCarty. Uh, but we are back after a week off, and we've got some hockey to talk about. So uh, since we have talked last, I think we'll start with the uh, biggest, I guess, biggest news since we've talked last, which was the Red Wings traded uh, Jacob De La Rose to the St. Louis Blues for Robbie Fabry. Now, uh, I remember last season or the season before saying, man, the Red Wings should really take a look at getting Robbie Fabry or seeing if we could trade someone out and get Robbie Fabry because he seemed like he'd be a good addition, a young guy, tons of talent, uh, number 21 overall pick uh, by St. Louis, uh, St. Louis Blues in 2014 draft. The only issue he's had in his career really is he's had uh, surgery on the same ACL twice, which is not good generally. Um, but since he has come to the Red Wings, he has six points in five games, uh, two goals and four assists. Uh, for penalty minutes, but Robbie Fabry has been an absolute amazing addition to the second line. He's really jump-started them. Uh, he's playing with his old teammate, Tyler Bertuzzi, who he played with in Guelph, and he's really just tearing it up right now and showing that he was kind of worth worth the reclamation project. Uh, but I guess he wanted out of St. Louis because he really didn't fit into the plan there, and he got his wish, and, and he's doing really well. Fantastic, and it wasn't this another snipe at two in the morning by uh, old Stevie. Yeah, I fall asleep uh, and then I wake up and I see stuff from like oh eleven thirty. The Red Wings made a trade. I was just gonna yeah. say yeah, it was it was it was around that time because I was sitting here with my dad watching like one of the late games after that Red Wings debacle against the New York Rangers, and I got I was on Twitter like scrolling or something. And I saw the alert, and I'm like, what? We just traded for Robbie Fabry? And, like, my initial thought, well, we can go into it after, but, yeah, it was about 11.30. I think it was a fantastic steal to get rid of De La Rose, which, I mean, yes, he was on the fourth line for a bit. That was actually the only other line scoring for a short while. And, well, I say a short while, like four or five games or whatever it was. But to get a... Career fourth line player center for a former first round pick who has shown that he is a pure playmaking goal scorer. Yep, that's a police job if I've ever seen one myself. Yeah, I think I posted after that happened uh, the performance fleece gift from Old Navy. (laughs) 
because that's what that's what Iserman's doing to people. And it's I you can say it's a fleece job, but I I think after reading a little bit about it, what it looked like is that uh, Fabric injured. The Blues uh, kind of Bruby came in uh, halfway through the year, moved the lineup around at, during his injury, brought some guys in, formed the team. Fabry came back, got some minutes. They won a cup. Um, but basically, it looked like Fabry wasn't going to fit into the future of the team mm-hmm. because they had already made the team up how they wanted it. So they said they'd make right by him. They'd move him to, to whoever they get the best offer from. Now, what I find hard to believe is the best offer for Robbie Fabry was Jacob De La Rose one for one. No way. That's the I hard agree. to believe part. I'm guessing Baruby owed Iserman a favor or something. But uh, because since then, Jacob De La Rose has played three games for the Blues. He has zero goals, zero assists. And I talked to um, Let's Go Blues Radio, uh, one of the guys, the guys over there, and he they said that, I mean, De La Rose has looked okay. He only played a few games. But I mean, he's De La Rose is no Robbie Fabry. He's just going to no. be a big, a big checking fourth liner. So, it, I mean, it was a steal for the Red Wings, and and rightfully so. And he's improved our team. He's made us more competitive. He shows up every night, and he just wants to play. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Fabry, it's it's a solid trade by Steve Eiserman. And I feel it only appropriate to get our uh, usual plug into Max over at the Athletic. He had a fantastic article uh, talking about Fabry and his uh, Fabry or Fabry 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 talking about him and his role and how it was essentially diminished over there in uh, St. Louis. I mean, his high point for the year he only played in nine games. He had eleven fifty-five time on ice was the most that he had the entire nine-game stretch there, and he was just basically the odd man out. And the trade, kind of like what you just said, is it's a rejuvenation aspect for him. Yes, he's going to be a restricted free agent after the year, so he's got that extra motivation to push himself. This turns into a tryout, more or less, for maybe not the Red Wings, but anyone in the NHL. So, I mean, for what he's done since he's come to the team, you really can't ask for much more, especially when he finally gave the Wings a second line. So, And then it helps, too, that Anthony Seuss starting to find his stride a little bit, but that's another subject. Uh, is Steve Eiserman just trying to stockpile the the most amount of players from that 2014 draft? Because now he has three <laughs> from the first round. He has he has Brendan Perlini, who he traded for uh, in Chicago a couple weeks ago. Now he has Robbie Fabry, and then obviously Dylan Larkin, who was drafted by Ken uh-huh. Holland. My initial thought of that trade was, Okay, I mean, Robbie Fabry's a decent player. Jacob Taylor Rose, I mean, you could grab a guy from the AHL that's on the fourth line or third line and could probably play the role of Jacob Taylor Rose. Then, and that's no shade to him. You know, he plays good defense, but, I mean, that's pretty much all he's got to his game. And then Robbie Fabry can put the puck in the back of the net. So who do you take? I always take the goal scorer. So uh, unless, you know, obviously you have to fill a, um, a role um, like so... I would just say it was a fleece job, but also let's see how it plays out. I think Robbie Fabry could could be a part of the the next Red Wing team that ends up making the playoffs. And this, I don't mean this year or next year. I mean, you know, a couple of years down the line, he could be one of those filler pieces who can put the puck in the back of the net, maybe on the second or third line. One of the issues, though, that this that this could bring up too, though, is that Robbie Fabry is a restricted free agent. 
at the end of the season. So now the Red Wings have, and if I'm looking at it correctly, we have seven RFA forwards. Uh, Manth, Mantha and Athanasiu. So Mantha, if he keeps going at the pace he's going at, it's going to be up for a huge raise. Now, mm-hmm. if you remember, he signed that bridge deal the uh, two years for $3.3 million, And he, that's ending uh, after this season. So he bet on himself. He said he was going to come back and, and basically prove that, that he has the talent and he can make it happen. And he's done that so far. And he's going to get a big contract. I'm thinking something closer to what Dylan Larkin's making in the six million dollar range athena cu like you said has come on recently i still don't know what his ask is going to be because if you remember darren uh darren ferris is his agent and darren ferris is bad at contract negotiations he's not so, bad he's just an ass clown yeah i, I mean that's bad that's bad no, for okay. your Get client you um so i mean athena CU, if he comes back asking in the six million dollar range i'm not giving it to him because he's he's a second line forward who has uh, lacks defensive responsibility. He has the speed. He only finishes half the time. I'm not giving Athens to see you in the six million dollar range. It's not happening. So maybe I give him four, but I'm not giving him in the six. So you'll see what happens there because he's 25. I mean Athens to hitting peak age, and and it'll plateau and then it'll start declining. So I, I I've had this argument with people. I honestly think Athens Hughes should be traded for You're well cur- he's hot. You haven't you haven't had this argument. You're currently having the argument. Oh, let's, let's, had, let's, let's correct that. I I've had <laughs> and am currently having the argument because uh, people every time he cools off, people say trade him. And every time he scores two goals, people say no, keep him. Future. Yeah, exactly. And it's if you're looking at the moves Iserman's making, he got Robbie Fabry's 23. He got Brendan Perlini. He's 23. He got Adam Ernie. He's 24. Bertuzzi's 24. Larkin's 23. These are all guys that he's trying to build a future with. Now, Mantha, he's 25, but he could be a very high point producer. Athens C and Mantha's more responsible defensively, has a bigger body. And when he feels like it can make hits and he'll go to the boards and he'll dig for pucks. And he can kind of back check again. He's a bigger guy, so he's not as fast as a skater. Athanasiu. He's not lacks, as fast, but he's got that speed that is deceiving. He, he's got bigger strides. Yeah. Athanasiu doesn't do that. Athanasiu is faster, and he'll try to make plays around people. And he's just, they're two completely different players. So if I'm hedging my future bets, I'm going to put more money in Anthony Mantha than I'm going to put in, in Athanasiu. And if we're not going to be. I guess competitive uh, as in competing for a cup for another three ish seasons. I'll move Athanasiu to get a high pick in this draft because it's loaded and mm-hmm. a prospect or someone that's younger that could develop to be part of the future team. That's how it works. You trade talent to get talent. And that's what people are failing to realize because they see him do a couple flashy things and he instantly becomes the fan favorite and they never want to trade him, which that's when Twitter turns into Facebook and drives me insane. Well, here's the thing with the Athanasiu thing. Like, I understand people saying, like, he has talent. But what people don't understand, and I think, Greg, maybe I'm stealing your thunder here, but he's going to be 27. And, like, he's... He's going to be 26. Okay, I'm sorry. He's going to be 26. Now, 26 is the new, like, 30 at this point. 
Like your your prime is from like 26, 27, 28, and then twenty nine, and you start declining well, around third, around yeah, thirty. Yeah, you peak at around twenty five. For most players, well, the, yeah, yeah. plateau so, unless you're well, a Phil Kessel. Well, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He had thirty goals last year. I mean, he did. That's that's that might be the peak. That might be it. And so you said this. Well, I mean, it may not be. Who knows? But that may be it. And so if that's the case, and he's hot right now, why not move him? You're not competing anyway, so why not move him? And define hot right now. He has 11 points in 20 games. He's got five goals in 20 games. I mean, if you you extrapolate that out, and I know it's hard to do like that, that's that's a 20-goal season. That's 10 goals less than he had last season. That's not That's already good. regressing. So, and and I don't think anyone thought, oh my God, Athanasiu, he's going to be a 40 goal scorer. Look, he scored 30. I thought that last season he was going to struggle to hit 30. I didn't even think he was going to hit 30 last season. I think maybe he has a 25 goal season this year. It's, I mean, Robbie Fabry is helping on that second line. Sure. But where Robbie Fabry is helping you more is on your power play. He's and not showing the make, first game. Yeah. So, so the thing is, is that Athanasiu needs the help and he needs the setup because he needs to be sprung so he can beat other players. If you've seen him try to Athanasiu's zone entry is horrendous. If you've tried to see him enter the it's zone, it's mind blowing himself, that it is. Well, if you've tried to see him enter the zone by himself and he thinks every time he can break through three guys, he can't do it. Maybe mm-hmm. he does it one out of every 10 times. But if he and it's gets, beautiful. Yeah, but and then and then it's uh, up in the air whether he actually scores or not. So it's if you can trade him in, in some teams willing to give you a first round draft pick and a prospect, I'm taking it because move him while you can because you're not going to be good. So why not trade a player when he's coming into his prime, into his peak value, and and move him out to a, a team that thinks they can use them because they're going to make a cup run or at least get into the playoffs. So, I mean, that's my spiel on Athanasiu. Most people are going to hate it because they love the player and they just see flashy movement in front of them, but they fail to realize everything else. So that's, uh, I think I got to go back to the original point I was making because we often take the Athanasiu side road down to crazy town. Getting there. But if you keep looking at the RFAs, Tyler Bertuzzi is an RFA. Tyler Bertuzzi is making $1.4 million. I think you're moving that into the four and a half to $5 million range next season. I think um, he's putting his way toward $5 million. Absolutely. Tyler Bertuzzi has been absolutely phenomenal so far this season. Now, he does have his games where he makes some defensive mistakes. I mean, he's 24 as of February. He's working on it. On a lot of other teams, Tyler Bertuzzi would probably not be a top-line player. But Tyler mm, Bertuzzi has... a perfect middle six guy. Yeah, but he's got 20 points in 22 games. And he plays amazingly with Larkin and Mantha. And if you want to keep that line together, you're going to end up giving Tyler Bertuzzi somewhere in the 4 to $5 million range. And you're going to want to lock him up probably long-term at that. I mean, I wouldn't go any... I'd do a maybe five years at that much. Mm-hmm. That would take him to 29. So I think that would be fair for for Tyler Bertuzzi. Adam Ernie's going to be an RFA. I mean, he has had a lot of good looks, but 
it's just nothing's happening for him, which kind of sucks because I was pulling for Adam Ernie. But I still think he has more upside than uh, Justin Ablocator. And he's tougher than Justin Ablocator. So there's that. He's a younger, I think we talked about this before. He's a younger version of Ablocator. Yep. Uh, Taro Hirose is going to be an RFA. Uh, Taro Hirose has been extremely disappointing this season. And I don't know if you even bring him back. He might be one that that Iserman tries to move also. Uh, Robbie Fabry, if he keeps Robbie Fabry, like we said, RFA, if he keeps up what he's doing, he's going to get a big payday if he wants to stay in Detroit. Um, I'm not sure Fabry wants to be on a rebuilding team. Um, but I would we'll see, see his deal in like a three year deal or two, two to three year deal, more kind of like a Mantha type role. Yeah, to I see, could see if, taking him to 26 mm-hmm, and to see where he what he can do, because if you're going to resign your other big guys, I, I think the Larkin contract is going to set the precedent and the way that he's like, I want to help the team win. And I want to That's why I took less money right now. But he's also playing. I think the way he's playing is justifying that contract as well. But I think that'll help influence. This is me hoping how Mantha will get paid. I think Mantha will be your top played player, though. Yeah, I mean, he'll make more money because you got to think the cap's going up. Um, it's They're going to get a new TV deal. They're gonna he's end a up pure goal scorer. Yeah, and, and he's just, I mean, he's on fire this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, your other RFA is Brendan Perlini. Brendan Perlini, I think, is in a lot of the same boat as Adam Ernie. He's getting chances. He's getting looks. Nothing's going in. But I also attribute that a lot to their line partners yeah. and them not being so good. So, uh those are your forward RFAs, your, but you also are going to get a lot of cap back next season. I mean, Erickson's gone next season, um, even though he's with the team now, God rest our souls. But he is <laughs> uh, he is gone next season. That's 4.25 off the cap, which is money you're going to give to Anthony Mantha or Tyler Bertuzzi. Mike Green's gone next season. That's uh, 5375000 off the cap, which you're going to give to Mantha or Bertuzzi. And uh, Alex Biega, I cannot see him staying with this team simply no. because people will say, and, and that was another thing is people are like, Alex Biega looked so good this last game. I'm like, I haven't okay, seen that yet. But if you remember like two games before, he he was the 31-year-old Jonathan Erickson. That's what was happening. Like slow. I think maybe it was because he was making some hits and, and people like hits, but I, I just can't. Alex Biega, I can't see staying with the team, especially since he's 31 and we've got younger defensemen that need to be moved in big time. Um, your only RFA on defense is Madison Bowie. And I really don't have a problem keeping Madison Bowie as a 7D option because he's better than the other 7D option. So I think he's been a fan- fantastic in that role. He's struggled a little bit this year, which is a bit disappointing, but Kind of to the Biega point, yeah, they're, they've had their games where they look better, but I think Bowie, when you put him with the right guy, him and Shalowski at times can just be fantastic the way they can move the puck. As long as he doesn't pin himself deep, he is a great depth role guy on the back end, and I hope that he's one that they don't really, that doesn't fall victim to all the young guys coming in, which, I mean, if he gets bumped out by a Mo Sider or whoever, then yeah, it's, it's whatever, but... Oh, yeah. And going further down, if you're looking at I, I forgot to check the uh, IR uh, Trevor Daly's gone next season. You save three point one six, 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 six million dollars there. Uh, Johan Franzen's LTIR 
drops off uh, next season. So, uh, and Xavier Ouellette's buyout drops off next season, which is okay, what, the two hundred thousand, two hundred and sixteen thousand dollars. So you've Guess got one more year left. Doesn't on drop Weiss. off Stephen Weiss. <laughs> that's, oh, in tw- that's in two seasons. Uh, but how is that still going? Because you had like six years left, on, four oh. years left on his contract, and bought him out, which extended yeah. it by another oh. four years. So what happens if we were to do the same to Advocator? He would never be gone. Exactly. Same with Nielsen. Everyone's like, you should buy out Nielsen. I'm like, I don't want to be paying Nielsen for three more seasons. But uh, it's we've we're getting a lot of money back but a lot of that money is going to go towards your forwards your your mm-hmm. high-end forward group we are lucky as hell that dylan larkin is locked up until the 2023-24 season mm-hmm. because after what we saw the overpayments we just saw this uh last free agency uh, and uh rfa season larkin would have got freaking paid and we are extremely lucky that he's only making 6.1 million dollars so yeah um yeah, so that's and I mean 2020 it's a big draft class coming up too. So if you can like we were talking if you can trade Athens to see you that gets rid of one of your RFAs that you're going to have to pay that lets you bring in a rookie forward like a Philip Zadina on a cheap contract and that could get you another first round draft pick maybe next year then you'd have two firsts, two seconds, two thirds. That's six picks in the first three rounds is pretty impressive. You got to think that a goal of Iserman's, I mean, yes, this is pure speculation because no one knows what the hell he's ever doing, um, is to get another first round pick. And Anthony Sioux, if he continues in some fashion the way that he's playing right now, leading up to the deadline, he's going to get that first round pick. Yeah. And I mean, if, and like, like I just said, if you move in Zadina, who's been super hot lately, that can replace the production of Anthony Sioux. And if, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to say immediately, but you're not ready to compete immediately. So in three years, I would hopefully assume that Zadina is meeting, if not surpassing the production of what Athens CU brought and also a more complete package hockey player, someone more defensively sound, uh, maybe not with the speed. That's what someone brought up earlier as well. Speed. You, you can't match Athens CU's speed. I'm like, well, speed's not really worth anything if your hands can't finish most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I think Zadina could it meet or exceed Athanasius' production with a, a better defensive game. Same if you let someone, if you let someone like Tara Hirose, uh walk or trade him, and, and you bring in Joe Valeno, depending on how he finishes out this season, you're saving money and bringing in rookies. Hirose's on a really friendly contract right now, but it, you got to move pieces around, be willing to deal talent, to get talent, to make your team better and younger to set them up to win when they're ready to win because they're not close to being ready to win. So what's the point in, in keeping Athens when by the time you're ready to win, he's going to be 30 or 29 and past and maybe starting that decline. So, I mean, I'm up for trading him as long as you can get the right package for him. I'm not going to sell cheap on him because there's no point, but if someone makes me a really good offer, I'm going to take it. Because it's all about making the team better for when they're ready to be competitive. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, stockpile as many draft picks as you can, and uh, and don't get stupid with it. Like, obviously, you wouldn't trade a Dylan Larkin or anything like that. But like, who else is uh, not expendable on this team besides so, Larkin? 
everyone's Ooh. tradable for the right price. I think that's the one thing is people like to talk about untouchables. I but wouldn't trade Larkin for anybody. Could, I don't think if someone if, if Edmonton offered you two first okay, rounders and McDavid, that's different. You say that's two like, first and McDavid. That's like everyone. See, but, every, see, but that's like blown away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. It, like Edmonton would never do that. But but like, that means he's not untradeable because being made untradeable means for no in no situation ever would you trade that person. Well, I guess the, in, in the grand scheme of things, if you look at it that way, there's only probably one or two untradeable players in the whole league. Like McDavid's an McDavid is an untradeable player. Uh, Let's just Edmonton. put it this way: back in the Steve day, Crosby the Red Wings well. almost traded Steve Eiserman, so no one's. They almost did. They did. They so were within minutes of trading him. It's not. No one is untradeable, but there are players on your team that no one is going to give you the offer you would take to trade them. Yes. No one is going to offer you what you would take for Dylan Larkin. No one's going to, I would say no one right now is going to offer what you would take for Anthony Mantha simply because they are your, uh, your best performing forwards, your most consistent forwards. No one is going to trade you what you would take for Philip Hronick right now, uh, who is injured, nope. but is, is turning out to be one hell of a defenseman. Fact. So, so it's, those are probably the three players that no one's in their right mind is going to offer you the return you would take to trade them. Would you trade uh, Philip Sedina right now? No, because he hasn't played uh, as many NHL games to actually get a good look at him. If someone gives you the right, if you, gives you the right offer, you would though, right? What's the right sure. offer? Sure. Sure. If I don't know, Ottawa first, first is going to give me, if Ottawa is going to give me their first round pick, <laughs> or the Kings are going to give me their first round pick or someone in the bottom five of the league is going to give me their first round pick and a prospect for Zadina. I'll take it. Sure. Sold. But no one's going to, the thing is, is no one's dumb enough to do that. No one's desperate enough to do that. <sighs> I raise you one Pierre Dorian. Uh, yeah. Pierre Dorian's pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> but i'm glad we're but, on the same page there tyler but i don't but i don't think he's that stupid i don't think pierre dorian's gonna be like listen we suck and you suck and we know we're both gonna be bottom five in the league so we're gonna at least have like the third overall pick and you might have the first overall pick and we're gonna give you our first rounder and we're gonna give you brady kachuk and we want philip zadina right now i'm like okay i'll take that deal every day of the week because you're getting uh, a, a guy in the first round that's in a step right into the league and you're getting Brady Kachuk, who's a solid player, but they're not going to do that deal. They're dumb. They're not that dumb. Never say never, Greg. I know. I mean, I, we've been proven wrong plenty of times with how stupid people are. Well, I'll tell you what, the Robbie Faber deal looks more stupid every single day, so... It yeah. does, but at the same time, back to what we said earlier, it's not also surprising. It literally was a change of scenery and the, a move to appease a player. It was also was the the thought that he could re-injure. It was the the scariness of him yeah. possibly re-injuring himself because of his injury history. But that seems to be the the narrative going with him right now. Is I will is tell you though that was a fleece. Honestly, that's a fleece. If you're, 100%. if all you're getting is, they could have definitely gotten more than Jacob De La Rose for Robbie Fabry. Like I think that could have to Tyler's point. Yes, I think to Tyler's point that he should have got at least another draft pick out of that. Yeah, I mean they could have probably gotten De La Rose in a third. Yeah, for Robbie Fabry. that's what I was thinking. 
So I, yeah, I don't I was, know. I was about to say the same exact thing. A third, a fourth, a fifth. I mean, anything. anything really. <laughs> other than just player. Yeah. Other than just Jacob De La Rose. I mean, they so, could have taken Erickson. <laughs> well, no. That, See, we, that goes back to the, they're not that dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we will move on from this uh, subject and move on to our defensive injuries recently. Uh, the Red Wings are dead. That Again. is basically what it is. I mean, right now, uh, the the kind of nail in the coffin was Patrick Nemeth's injury, which uh, brought Jonathan Erickson back to the team. But on injured reserve right now, Trevor Daly, who I'm got to be a zombie or something right now. He's 36, feel, but I mean, I with injury history, it's like he's 54. Uh, Patrick Nemeth is injured now. Danny DeKaiser is injured. So those are, I mean, Danny DeKaiser. No, he's just injured. He's still on IR. I know. So, but I'm just saying he's injured again. Yeah. So right now, um, and it almost makes me throw up, I guess Philip Peronic is ready to come back uh, soon. They haven't made the official word, but that's what it sounds like. Cause he's Hicketts, been skating, right? Hicketts was sent back. He's mm-hmm. been skating. Yep. But uh, your defense... Now, minus Heronic, because he hasn't been playing recently, has looked like Mike Green, uh, Jonathan Erickson, who's made his triumphant return, only to be probably sent back once Nemeth comes uh, back. (laughs) Madison Bowie, Dennis Chalowski, Alex Biega, Dylan McElrath, and until recently, Joe Hicketts. So that is the defense of nightmares. Um, Philip Heronic's been our best defenseman all season. We kind of knew he was going to be. Uh, he's turning into a top pairing D guy with amazing offensive upside and a really good D play. And he was really good with Danny DeKaiser before DeKaiser got injured. Uh, but our defense right now looks like a giant pile of trash. And that sucks because they were looking a little better before Heronic got injured. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give credit. I mean, McElrath hasn't looked awful in his short minutes that he's at out there. He's been more sound than anything, which I mean, thankfully because he was a former first round pick. So you hope there's a little bit something there. I was looking uh, at that. Dylan McElrath was the 10th overall pick by the Rangers the in his draft. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the hell happened there? No idea. That was like a true to form bust draft pick because I don't know how or what was seen there. I've never gone back to look at what his junior play was like, but the fact that he's hardly seen a day of actual NHL time is incredible. Because you want you want a guy that with the Rangers. He, I think he started out that way, and then he just kind of just started seeing time dwindle. Yeah, well, I mean, when you skate the way he does, I mean, no offense. No, I mean, you know, there's nothing against them, but I mean, there's not a whole lot to offer for it. If I was him, you know what I would do? Instead of trying to make the NHL, I would do what a lot of these, you know, players that are from North America and, and, you know, just can't hack it in the NHL or can't make it to the NHL because they're just not good enough. Go play overseas. Go make your money while you can. Yeah, go to well, the Swiss League or something. Yeah, yeah, go go explore the world. Go to the Swiss League. Probably not good enough to play in the Swedish Elite League, no offense. But besides that, I mean, what other league? The KHL, he could make a ton of money, although 
your guess is as mine as how good that league is nowadays. I still say it's pretty up there. No, I, I mean accommodation wise and uh, that kind yeah. of payment wise. Yeah, yeah, actually yeah. living in in Russia. Did yeah, you well, go live in not... China and play for the Kunlun Red Stars? They're in the KHL. Yeah. 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 They're in I the mean, KHL, guys, uh, and Jake him, plays there. If I is was him, is he really? Yeah. If I was him, Switzerland or Germany or one of those places would be the hey. places I would go. You know what? Right now, I don't think he cares. He's getting an NHL NHL salary, and he's good to go. Yeah, he's making the that diem, money. The but, but you're money. right. You're right. He's been, I mean, more defensively sound than we've seen him before. Mm-hmm. And he's been a good, solid, big body guy out there, like you would expect. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think for all the guys that that is surprising, I think we kind of touched on already has been Hicketts and that. I yes, I get it. He's there's a reason he's been in the AHL for so long, but I guess I expected a little bit more positivity from his performances, and it just wasn't there. So that was definitely disappointing. And I will say, as much as I hate Erickson, I haven't seen a single game that he's been back for. So that's why you've seen me talk very little about it online. So I can't even speak to how things have gone for him, other than the fact that apparently he was a pylon for a game-tying goal against L.A. the other night. Oh, shocker. Erickson mm. not doing defensive things? He's, he's not an he's not a – and I guess that was one of the points on, on, our, uh, on our list today to cover was the Erickson recall. And, I mean, he's Check Jonathan Erickson. Right there, Eric- you're welcome. <laughs> Jonathan Erickson doing Jonathan Erickson things like standing there letting goals go in and being bad at hockey. Uh Honestly, I would have kept him in Grand Rapids because he has been a good defensive partner for Mo Sider, who is just making the AHL his bitch. But it, I would I just, have liked to have seen Koski. Well, that's part of a rumor recently uh, that Koski oh. may have been included in a trade. Um, that's. That's the other thing. So Erickson is Erickson. There's not much to talk about. He doesn't look good. He has never looked. I mean, I'm not going to say never, but uh, in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away in recent memory has not looked good. So uh, Erickson, I think when Patrick Nemeth comes, the only reason he's here is because Nemeth is a big defenseman and Erickson is a big defenseman. And when Nemeth comes back, Erickson will go back to Grand Rapids. But the the was a recent rumor, and why you may not have seen Kasky, and again, rumor, big spoiler, rumor tag on it with asterisks and capital letters and everything. We gotta sound. Um, the, we gotta sound the alarms. The rumor alarm. Uh, <laughs> it was reported by a Finnish news outlet that the Red Wings had made a trade offer to the Edmonton Oilers of a first round draft pick in 2022 plus Oliver Kasky or another roster player for Jesse Pugliarvi. So the reason you saw Erickson come up and not Kasky may have been because of that. I think it more has to do with replacing a big injured defenseman with another big defenseman who plays like he's injured. Um, but <laughs> we got to put that on the Twitter or something. That's hilarious. But I think that uh, in I have no reason. It wasn't like super NHL rumors 
insider.hockey no. or anything that reported it. It was an actual, more legitimate source from Finland. So that offer could still be out there. The Red Wings could be pursuing uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, which I would welcome. That's another first-round pick that another team messed up. But uh, it's uh, Kasky has been underwhelming in Grand Rapids, and I wouldn't mind moving him considering our glut of defensemen both in the uh, leagues overseas and in Grand Rapids right now. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I came I stumbled across this rumor. I think someone originally had retweeted it and then I looked at it some further. It did come from a news person of some sort. I think he's news. I don't have Google translate pulled up, so I can't really tell you, but he is Finnish and he was able to identify the story and what he stated is that he does not know about how reliable the sources are, but he was hoping to hear more on it a couple day in a couple of days, and this was four days ago. But they did hear that the offer was made to the Oilers, so the, apparently that much of it is at least true. How, what substance is there is unknown. That's about all we got. Yeah, I think the re-entry if you're playing in a foreign league for some, some reason, and I'm not hundred percent certain on this, my brain is just recalling things. I think you have to be in the league by December 1st. Yeah. It's like their uh, transfer window for soccer, apparently in order to play. So yeah. uh, something would have to be done by then. And I mean, I'm in that. The reason it looked more legitimate to me is because for a while we've been saying this, it looks like Iserman has a three year plan. He looks like he wants to be back in the playoffs doing well in three years to give up your 2022 first round pick. Now I would make sure it's lottery protected, but to give up that pick, he, it sounds like he's banking on the fact that that's going to be a lower first round pick because we're in the playoffs. So at least past 16, 17. Um, and if that's a pick in the twenties, and you give that up and, and a Kasky who's a defenseman that could or could not make the NHL. I mean, he's an older guy. He was top in, in Liga, but it, he's not performing exceedingly well in the AHL. So if you give up that pick that could be lottery protected, which would be a low first rounder plus Kasky for a guy like Pooley who the Oilers rushed into the NHL mm-hmm. and pretty much screwed his development up. Um, it's like a pattern there. And he doesn't want to be there and he's not going to get ice time because there are guys there ahead of him. And they're kind of just holding on to him. And it seems like they're holding on to him despite him. They don't want to be nice and move him. They're like, you're an asshole or you can stay over in Finland. But I just, if you could do that, I have no problem making that move. And people complain because they're like, oh, for why would you ever? Oh, my God. Why would you ever give up a first round draft pick? And I'm like, well, you've got three years to try and get that pick back or you protect it, or it's going to be a late round pick. That's not going to matter in three years when you've got two other drafts before that. So I have no problem giving up a first in three years and, and Oliver Kasky for someone like Pooley RV. But then again, we become further. Like I said, a few weeks ago, the Island of misfit toys, where (sighs) we just take out contracts from other teams of former first round players. that didn't work there. Hey, one of them is going to work eventually. Exactly. Or all of them. I mean, we may already have one diamond in the rough, so let's see what else happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine rolling the dice with with picks that are three years down the road. That's, I mean, I have no emotional attachment to them. 
No. And the other thing, too, is the moves that he's making right now is that you can tell that he's obviously not satisfied with the roster buildup. So he's making moves now to benefit this team. Yes, he knows that unless you're trading away every first-round pick, you're not getting high-end talent to fix this team this season. So to kind of go back in the circle we are just talking about, that plan is there, like you said, Greg, and we've talked about it before. This team could be two to three years out at, at best. And jettison... From competing, not from making the playoffs, but from actually doing well in the playoffs. Yes, yes correct. So why not? I mean, if, if that's the case, and to your point, if it's a mid to late round, first round pick, you, you don't lose out much right there. And you can still make a move to get back into the back into the first round if you really wanted to, if that was the case. So I would do it in a heartbeat. If that was the actual ask and the player that you're getting in return is like that, you can drop one of the bottom forwards, put him back down to Grand Rapids or trade him off or something else. I mean, anything could happen at this point from what we've already seen. I remember reading an article. I don't remember who, who wrote it, but it was during the summer and it was like right after Eisenman got hired. It might've been Max at the athletic. I don't remember exactly who it was, but um, he said, or she, it might've been a she, I have no idea, but whoever said that this rebuild was not going to be easy. It was going to take a lot of creativity. Well, there's creativity right there trading away a future first round first round pick you know for someone that you don't know who if it's going to work out or if it's not going to work out but you have to take shots in the dark this is something that a lot of people like always got on Ken Holland for because he never ever was creative about things it was just like okay yeah trade guys away at the deadline when we're out of it like that kind of thing he never ever in in you know the last few years anyways had a good one-for-one hockey deal that we could all hang our hat on, or he could hang his hat on. There there was just not a lot of creativity there. And so in terms of this rebuild, it's going to take some creativity. It's going to take some, some, some thought to it where, you know, you trade someone away and you get a diamond in the rough that, that becomes a 30-goal score. I mean, it does happen. Look around the league here. Not every player is a lottery pick uh, you know, top five pick. It's just, that's not how it works. Or top three pick, I should say. It's not how it works. You know, just look around the league. There's players uh, that, that get traded all the time that, you know, five years down the line, they become really good hockey players. Is it is it something that happens all the time? No, but it's something that if, if you're going to rebuild and you're going to get better and younger, it's, it's going to take some creativity. I think he's already done the creativity. He's, he, the trade for Fabry speaks to that 100%. No, exactly, exactly. And the Perlini one as well. And, and so that's what I'm saying. It, it's going to take creativity. And back to Greg's point, that first-round pick, I mean, you really don't have much of an attachment to it because you don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, because it's three years away. So Right. The I mean, NHL I... changes so fast. You, you should, Two years down the line, you, you what if you hit with Zadina and Valeno? And they both become, you know, really solid players. Now you have a second line, and now you can start building the decor. What if, um, what what if Cider comes up and becomes a number one defenseman? You really don't know. Two years down the line, you might look at the team and be, uh, you know, in that top three in our division. Well, yeah, and then you keep going. What if Evgeny Svechnikov exactly. comes in and is an amazing mid six guy? 
What if Michael Rasmussen comes in and, and has become a great mid-six guy? You could have three solid lines. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not going to have those until around three seasons down the road. Yep. So if you're looking that far and you're saying, hey, we've got a real shot at being in the top three in our division and we're going to go out and we're going to maybe get to round three of the playoffs. And at that point, you're picking in the 20s. I mean, I'll give up that. 22 overall pick and and a D guy who's probably never going to make the team for a, a reclamation project that could turn out to be a top six guy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's moves like that that you have to make just like the moves like if someone gives you a good offer for Athens see you. It's moves like that that Eiserman's not afraid to make that Ken Holland would have never made. Yep, exactly, because he he was so attached to his guys and and never wanted to make any any moves. Well, he was attached to his guys, but he was also attached to status quo, doing the yep. same thing that he's always done yep. forever. So it's it's was not it bad. That, no, but it hurt him. It, in the in the end, he's no, not a rebuilding GM. Yeah. Though it beat him, yeah. it bit him in the ass at the end. Yeah, but you've got guys coming in that can replace other guys, and and it's like a carousel, man. But you can't be too attached to a player because you'll be disappointed when someone offers something really mm-hmm. good that the team can't pass up. I'll tell you one thing, Greg, and, and both of you guys. Uh, I'd rather be in this situation that we are in right now than be in that situation that we were in the last year we made the playoffs where we backed in and then got fucking uh-huh. ass raped by Tampa Bay in f- five games or whatever it was. Like that wasn't even fun. I we mean, had... it was fun to be in the playoffs, but yeah. like, besides that, like, I mean, what what are you getting out of that? You're That's when you have no business being where you're at. Yeah. Um, and, that was putting and, and as going... many gauze and band aids over the open wound as you could, and didn't stop the bleeding. Yeah, that's also a problem with the garbage team facing the best team in the first round. So, mm-hmm. um. I, I think that's that's where we're at with our roster right now and kind of what we'd like to see happen. And I'm not sure. I mean, with with Eiserman, I think now more than ever, what we want to happen is more likely to happen than not. So that's kind sure. of exciting. But Eiserman's a goddamn ninja. Shit comes out of nowhere. There's no heads up that anything's going to happen. So that's why I'm also taking this supposed rumor with a grain of salt because we've yeah. literally every move that Eiserman's made so far there's been no indication leading up to it that yeah. anything was going to happen so um i think we're going to move on i'm going to make a quick statement before people jump all over us on twitter for not mentioning it we know don cherry was fired uh we are not going to talk about it because the issue is so divisive that it will blow up our fan base and we don't want that. Do we have opinions? Yes. If you want our opinions, ask us about them individually. Uh, we're not going to be discussing it on the podcast because there are people we have found that we have people on our Twitter feed that are on both sides of it. And we don't want to get in the middle of it and voice too strong of an opinion because it's bad, it's bad for the brand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you want to know what we think about it, ask us individually. We'll be more than happy to give you our take on it. But as a podcast, we have no official stance on the uh, removal of Don Cherry, besides the fact that it, it, he was really old and it probably should have been done 10 years ago mm-hmm. to bring in a fresh face or to give Ron a damn break. So <laughs> Ron McLean, 
is regardless of what was said or what wasn't said, Ron McLean is one of the best sports casters that there's He's ever a goddamn been. saint. Like, that guy, to deal with Don guy, Cherry for as long as he did, he deserves to be knighted. <laughs> yeah, that guy Ron, works Ron's so man. fucking hard, it's not even funny. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's an Air Force vet. Yeah. Yep. Ron's a good dude. I really hope they find him an awesome partner. Uh, I jokingly put out on Twitter they should replace him with Steve Dangle. Uh, like Milbury. Oh, God, no. Dude, yes, not. Yes. You... No, no. You know why? God damn it, Tyler. It gets, it gets him off, off NBC, and he goes to Canada. He can have Tyler, fun up there. I no. don't wish Mike Milbury upon anyone. How about Pierre like Maguire? Saying, a... yeah, no. Pierre Maguire would be good up no. there. Put them both the, in a box the and float them in the right ocean. Put them both in a box and float them in the ocean, Tyler. <sighs> I just I don't want either of them anywhere near hockey no. broadcasting at all. You know, oh. it would be good. Daniel and McLean would be fantastic. Eddie O and McLean would be fantastic. I would. Doc, Eddie, Eddie Doc, drew me. And Doc and Ron? That'd be, yeah. I don't, could Doc really run a show like that, you think? No. Absolutely. No. Doc's a hilarious no, guy. No, no. I, I totally agree. I, I think for where he's at, you can, I don't think he's got much longer in the booth, to be Doc? quite honest. Yeah, Doc will, Doc will do it till he's dead, man. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, and I, I, I'm not saying that I don't. I want him out because I love listening to him call hockey games. But I feel like no, that but Gary, you, you kind of watch Gary. him sometimes. He, he's kind of, I think he's kind of taking a step back this season. Well, Doc, though, Doc, I think coach's corner is kind of where you go when you're toward the end of your career. Mm-hmm. And I think Doc would be great for that because I think, and it's sad to say. But I think eventually Ken Daniels will end up on the national broadcast. They've got him to guest yeah. a few times. He's done phenomenal. Um, another guy that I think would be good on Coach's Corner would be Darren Pang. I just there's there's a lot of guys that would be good mm-hmm. to fill in in that spot. I just hope they get Ron. I hope they get Ron someone that Ron can have fun with and not look like he's being held hostage half the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ron, seen... if you don't say it. What? Are you going to say Brian Burke? I've oh, seen Brian it a Burke couple funny, times. Though. See, but at least Brian Burke, he he's younger than Don Cherry. And, yeah, he brings some of that old-school mentality. But, like, he's a the old-school mentality is fine. There's still some things that are fine about the old-school way of things well, used to be. He Brian is, Burke. like, talking to myself in front of a door. Brian Burke is boring. <laughs> Brian Burke is boring. Yes. Uh, but Brian Burke can be funny. Can he? And Brian I, Burke understands the new new era of the sport. Yeah, there's no doubting that the dude is a freaking hockey genius. But to hear him talk sometimes, just like, why? Well, why? you know, uh, you need people. You need people that that don't agree with things that are still said. Like that's not like the last point year. That we're getting no, at, but though. hold on, hold on for a second. Let me let me let me finish. You remember last year that Brian Burke was against the whole um, the whole storm surge thing with the hurricanes and stuff like that. You need people like that the, to like get viewership, and so that would be important for Coach's Corner to have someone like that. They already had that some... with Dar- when Cherry called him a bunch of jerks, and that they turned into their brand. That's fine. That, that's there's nothing wrong with that though. I think the but I think you just it's not that you need a differing viewpoint. You need the best guy available for the job. Yes. That's what you need. Um, but but honestly, I just need someone to make Ron happy. 
And uh, can I bring up one? Past, can I bring the past ten uh, years? If you would have cut to Ron, if you would have in the middle of Coach's Corner, while Don was talking, put put the TV on mute, played Sarah McLaughlin music, and zoomed in on Ron, it would have just been like one of those "Help Our Dying Animals" commercials. And it's that's the way that it's been for like the past ten years or longer. Need to make the gif of Hello Darkness, my old friend, with Ron McLean yeah. staring off into nothing. <laughs> just a montage, but it's. <laughs> I just need someone to make to make it look like Ron is not a prisoner of war. I have something, and and I don't know if you saw this. Uh, it's a former Red Wing. So the Hockey Hall of Fame has confirmed that Marion Hosa will be on the ballot next year, despite being on, under contract with the. Uh, Arizona Coyotes. I thought that was a pretty cool gesture by the uh, Hall. Um, I don't really, but no. Why? Do you I, say I that? mean, you aren't you not supposed to go until you're off a contract? He's retired, though. Is Zetterberg on the ballot? Uh, no, but yeah, how is he? On, how is he on the yeah, ballot? That's different, though. Hosa retired three years ago now. I don't know. I, it's, How many years are you required to be out of the out of hockey? I don't think you should Four be allowed if you're still on a contract. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, but, but well, you, you can say that, but then GMs are getting the same treatment. Kenny Howell. No, we'll it? have to. Uh, we're gonna have to get Sarah's. Uh, I mean, Sarah's the Hosa expert. We're gonna have to get her opinion <laughs> on this. It is I'll about. To, we are due for a new Sarah be, episode. I guarantee but, her answer is gonna be fuck Hosa. That one season, that one season that he had though here was unbelievable. Yeah, right. that one season, the forever disappointment. Um, but we're, we're not talking about. We're not. Right? We're not going to talk about no, that. Season no, no. So we're going to move on to our last subject of the night, which uh, I'm sure most of you have seen. And if you haven't, please, please go look up the gross incompetence by the league. Again, but Matt Calvert, who is. I mean, Matt Calvert's kind of a dirt bag, but he did not deserve what happened to him. Uh, the who were who were the Abs playing? Vancouver. The Vancouver Vancouver Canucks, which it was on their awesome jersey night, which kind of pissed me off. But, the black uh, jersey. Yeah, but uh, there was toward the end of the game. Uh, in, was it overtime? No, it was into the third. It was a six on five. So yeah. Vancouver so, had an empty net. Yep, Vancouver pulls a goalie, uh, gets the puck down into the avalanche zone, uh, takes a wrister, and Matt Calvert decides to drop down about, what would you say, a foot and a half, two feet away from the person shooting the puck, and gets drilled right in the head. Uh, Falls to the ice, is down, guys are jumping over him, play continues, and uh, 12 seconds later... A goal is scored by Vancouver, and they win the game with Matt Calvert still on the they ice. They tied the game. Um, now, they no, so they they tie they didn't tie it, but they made it four to three. Yeah, there we go. The problem with this is, is Matt Calvert is clearly seriously injured. He's down Bleeding. on the ice for maybe five. Yeah, he's down on the ice for maybe five seconds. Tries to get up, and falls back down. And this whole time, there you're got. Two linesmen and a ref, and then one ref from the other end of the ice looking at what's happening. He's down. A, one of his own players tries to help him in the middle of the play. But, but like, Vancouver keeps going. No whistle is blown. Nothing happens. Uh, and, and they score a goal to pull within one. 
and Matt Calvert leaves the ice. Today we found out that he there's no timetable for his return. He's in concussion protocol. Um, there's just I, I feel like that's gross incompetence by the refs. You see a, a player clearly injured and you have the power to blow the whistle. That's also bad sportsmanship by Vancouver. You could all you had to do was give the puck to Colorado. You could have shot the puck into the net for a whistle. You could have stopped. You could have given the puck to the goalie and had him stop play. And so that the guy who's clearly injured because he just took a puck to the head could get to the bench and get medical assistance. But no, no one did the right thing. And play kept going and they scored. And eventually, because they scored, Calvert got help off. But every ref on the ice should be fined, should be suspended, should have some kind of discipline because you're trying to make this league safer and you're trying to worry about player health. But you've got a guy who's like clearly injured on the ice and you do Mm -hmm. nothing to stop the play. To, To watch the whole thing take place, even as a fan of neither team, was absolutely infuriating because if you ever if you've ever watched Matt Calvert play hockey he is a dumbed down version of Brad Marchand he doesn't have quite the skill set but he can still hurt you when you at least expect it and he is the biggest most likely the biggest pain in the ass for an opposing team to play against and he is a fantastic defensive forward and he's also a tough son of a bitch so for him to not get up after taking the obvious shot to the dome that he took should have been an immediate this play needs to stop any player that takes that type of hit should the play should have fucking stopped for it but it didn't and, and yeah. i had to pull i had to pull up the um the athletic post in an article today about this game and i just wanted to quote real quick from defenseman eric johnson who was just so happened to be on the ice but to get the players ideas and reaction here's what he goes and says he goes it's a fucking joke man and i've talked about it already that's all that really needs to be said about this whole thing. Like to continue his quote, he goes, quote, he's laying there bleeding out of his head and they don't blow the fucking whistle. It's a complete joke. It's an absolute joke. And they should be ashamed of themselves. End quote. Yeah. Well, someone said the other thing. What if it crushed his esophagus? What if he couldn't breathe? And you're going to go 12 seconds without blowing a whistle to help a guy. So a guy could die on the ice and you're not going to blow the whistle because play could keep going. Like how injured do you have to be? to to get the whistle to get play stopped yeah and i what's, guess <sighs> i guess Pedersen and johnson tried like to wave the play dead yeah Pedersen ref- raised his hand after because he's the one that took the shot like he put his hand up like hey what the hell's going on we need to stop the refs this. wouldn't whistle he's like guys come on this guy needs help and i mean part of it's on his team like if i'm the canucks all the canucks i'm dropping my stick I'm sitting on the puck. I'm getting a whistle because the guy clearly needs help and the refs are too incompetent to do their job correctly. So and what's, I, I think what's even more crazy about it too, to carry on from this, this point is this exact same thing happened to the avalanche on November 11th. This is from the same athletic article against the predators. Um, Nikita Zadorov took a puck to the face and was down on the ice bleeding from that puck hitting him. He couldn't get off until after the play was over. They ended up still getting scored on as he was coming off the ice in a game that they also won. But he, to, for instance, Zadarov ended up having to get surgery on a broken jaw that play was not, again, blown dead for. And Dante what I wanted Fabro. To, 
Huh? Dante Fabro had a similar situation happen to him too, in the playoffs. Play was, yeah. yeah, where play was not blown down. And it, what I wanted to get to, though, too, is it's what's stupid about this is how open to interpretation this type of rule is. And McKinnon, what he quoted was that he said he blames the league and not the officials. And he was referencing Rule 8.1 of the NHL rulebook that states. When a player is injured so that he cannot continue to play or go to his bench, the play shall not be stopped until the injured player's team has secured secured control of the puck. If the player's team is in control of the puck at the time of injury, play shall be stopped immediately unless his team is in a scoring position, which goes to your point earlier about why didn't they just give um, Colorado the puck to stop play? Or why didn't the refs just pull their heads out of their asses and be like, oh, this guy's pretty fucked up. We should probably stop play because that was what was mandated after the Fabro incident in the playoffs last year. Yeah, I just unless all of them are new refs and don't understand the rules, I just you can't see guys injured like that and the game go on. And even as players like the Canucks are still cycling the puck. When all yeah. the other all the abs players are thinking about is holy shit, our guy is really hurt. They're not mm-hmm. concentrating on winning the game. They're not concentrating on defending. Half of them are raising their hands like we need medical attention. Uh, you can see fans after the goal is scored. Fans are throwing garbage on the ice. Guys are breaking their sticks because they're pissed because that should have never happened. Exactly. And I just I just don't know how you get away with if something in the next couple of days doesn't come out about the refs getting fined, the refs getting looked into anything like that. Like you uh, players that you can't, I mean, you've got no player safety standard at that point. There's just, you can't say you have a player safety standard when you let play go on like that. It's just like the NFL. It's all about the bottom line, essentially. Yeah. We're not going to go into that. No, I know, but that's, that's the stance that this, this goes into is where we're here to protect players and blah, blah, blah. But then you get the guy getting, they're not, that's the thing. They're not, they don't care about that. They pretend to care about that. And obviously, yeah, they do have some player. They do have some people I'm sure in the league office that, yeah, do care. But the grand scheme of things, they're just trying to avoid a lawsuit. They don't give a shit. So, and, and in this day and age, yeah, uh, they have to show that they give a shit, but they really don't care. Why do they care? Their life's not on the line. They don't give a shit. So here's the thing. So here's my thing, and, and this is something that we need to keep in mind. This game flows very well. And to have stoppages every once in a while because a player's injured is fine. Absolutely. So blow the whistle yeah. if someone's actually hurt and you know that they're hurt. But if it's someone that's fucking faking it, like P.K. Subban used to with Montreal, or like some of those players used to with the Canadians, like, you, you, there has to be... And th- so that's up to the ref, to the ref's discretion. So now we're going to put something else on the ref. The hard thing there is, like, wh- where, where does it stop? You have, you have to find a, a place. Where it is right now, when I first saw it, I'm like, okay, well, it's hockey. But as the more I've seen it, and the more I've, you know, yeah, the play has to be blown dead. It's eleven there's seconds. That's they're too supposed long. to stop it with bl- when there's blood. As soon as yeah, if there's blood on the ice, and the guy's the not blood, up. He's probably oh, you should see, see the, the blood, picture. Though. The whole side of his face is bloody. You're telling me the a guy that's in the middle of the top zone of the zone, neither the official that's at the red line or either linesman at the blue line, all with a direct fucking look at this guy, couldn't tell that there's blood on the ice. 
Well, they or also that he's saw they him try to get up. They also saw him try to get up and fall back down. Yeah, he went from laying down, get trying to stand up, going into a turtle to right back onto his stomach. Right. No, I understand that. I'm just saying. So it's fine if we want to make a change to this rule. Just keep in mind, it's got to be something very tight where it's like, okay, if someone's seriously injured, you have to blow the whistle. Other than that, it stays the way it is because then you're going to have players in, with you know two minutes left in the game that are tired at the end of a long shift that block a shot, and now they go down. Here's, here's the thing. The rule should be if you see a player get hit in the head with a puck and go down, play stops because – the kid, guy was hit in the head with a puck, and that's, I mean, that's problem number one is brain injuries. So it, if you see a dude go down and lay on the ice and uh, in physical pain from being hit in the head with a puck, that's a problem. And I, I get the point that you're trying to make, Tyler. I think the other aspect of it, though, goes back to the playoffs last season where, and it's what we're talking about, the dude's down on the ice, he's visibly bleeding. If you can't pick that out, that's pretty fucking bad in my opinion. yeah they're bad at your job but if i get it if guys get hit they go down but they're struggling to get back up when they're not making an effort to get back up they're more than likely hurt because most of these guys if they're taking a flop to your point it's obvious that they're taking a flop you see the embellishment calls being made and if they're going down to block a shot i mean hell was it a blues player last season that broke his leg on a block shot and but still kept playing through it I forget. Uh, I forget. I, for, I forget which team it was, but the no, sh- that was the, the Bruins. That was um, is that who it was? Chris Wagner. Yeah. Yeah. He took the, broke his leg, but stayed out there on one freaking foot to try to keep playing through it. Like that's a different story. But to have this go through, and the, the fact that it's happened to Colorado on three separate occasions now is just incredible to me. As a person that hates Colorado with all their might. It's it's pretty fucking embarrassing for the league for this to, to continue to happen. And yeah. for all three guys to have similar injuries where they're visibly bleeding on the ice and plays not stopped when it's supposed to be after what was put out last season, it's just embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, McKinnon's statement maybe took it a little far if you haven't seen it. McKinnon's statement was, I can only imagine if that was LeBron James, his head was bleeding, and they let the other team take a three-pointer to tie the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just, I mean, it's just incompetence by the refs. And you have four guys out there on the ice officiating and none of them called it. That's a problem. And I mean, that's go back to training, go back and learn your job, go back and figure out how to identify a serious injury because you completely screwed up and that's all there is to it. Excuse me. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, we're going to end the podcast tonight because, uh, we're out of time. So I want to get you guys final thoughts and, uh, I'll close it out. We're never we'll out of time. Come on. There's always time to Not drink time. and watch hockey. <laughs> That's all we do. <laughs> but we'll start with Ryan for final Um, Final thoughts, man. The Wings won three in a row. I was happy there for a little bit, and now reality kicked back in, but I think that's how the rest of the season is going to go anyways. Um, I mean, kind of what we touched on and what I've kind of hit on every freaking podcast, I think. Just compete. We didn't see that for – far too long what one win in 11 games over that one stretch if they can bring something to the table this team's exciting to watch now granted some of the teams they beat or competed against have been equally awful but there's potential and i think that's really all we can ask for 
is just make it exciting for us to watch and keep coming back. I mean, well, we're going to keep coming back, but just make us not have to turn it off midway through the second or third period. So uh, I'm just taking each one as it goes. I'll finally get to watch uh, some Erickson hockey tomorrow night and get pissed off again like old days. So uh, right back to normal. Yeah, Twitter's, Twitter's already running 33. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Uh, my th- final thoughts are it's going to be a bumpy road. I've said this a bunch of times. I'm not, I'm not going to go back into it. It's going to be a bumpy road. Just, just drink some ginger ales or beers or whatever the fuck you want to call it and, and just enjoy the season and enjoy hockey for what it is. And guess what? If you don't enjoy watching the Red Wings, there's 30 other teams that you can watch. So exactly. go ahead and do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I not mean, condoning I... for bandwagoning either. I'm just saying no. that there's, there's other... Yeah, watch hockey. It's a great sport. Yeah, I mean, I would be watching hockey if you know the, t- the uh, station who had the contract played more than one game a week. Uh, it's a goddamn it's embarrassment. TV. It is. I don't want to... Ha- you should not have to spend 120 bucks to see more than one game a week. I'm sorry, but if the NFL can play... You don't. You just steal someone's login. No, my once problem... Fo- once football's over, though, you get like four, three or four games a week. No, but the thing is, is NBC, there's a game Sucks. on it. It was a pretty good game, too. I mean, it had, it, maybe it was, it was Edmonton and someone, and McDavid was McDavid's playing a hockey game. It should be on national TV if it's not on... I mean, but or simulcast it on uh, national and their local. But my problem is, is I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm like, Oh look, McDavid's playing. And I look at NBC and they're playing auto auctions. And I'm like, why, why do you even have the NHL contract? If you're not going to play games, who is sitting at home saying, man, I can't wait until the auto auction comes on TV. Yeah. Grandpa's That's why I can't that. wait for that freaking renegotiation of the contract. I'm just, it's very disappointing that they'd rather peddle their subscription service. Uh, and I mean, I'll blame the NHL too, that they want to peddle their subscription service and not try to gr- grow the game by putting more uh, high profile games, more exciting games on national TV so that everyone can see them. Well, Greg, you can use my login if you, if you, uh, ask all right, me nicely. send me a text. <laughs> uh, that was but, not nicely. Uh, send me a text, please. But um, I think he just hijacks his final final points. You, you forgot to, you forgot to say send me a text, please, bitch, because I said nicely, uh, so that means not nicely. Wow, so, that escalated. But I think it's just it's an it's a complete <laughs> embarrassment that they they only play so many games when they're they're trying to grow a sport with people, and if you're trying to grow a sport, you got to expose it as much as possible. Yeah, and well, they're, they, they're trying to they're trying to grow the sport, but they won't go to the Olympics, yeah. which is the biggest stage for another time. So I mean they're. Yeah. But that's my final thoughts before Not I get no. angry. Uh, you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Uh, we're going to be doing, and I've already started it if you've seen our little giveaways recently. Um, Upper Deck loves us enough to give us some stuff. So we'll be giving some stuff to you guys. So if you follow our Twitter um, and you collect hockey cards, uh, let us know, please, at the Grindline Pod on Twitter. And we might have something for you. Um, but we got some cool stuff. We love Upper Deck. And Upper Deck liked us enough to send us free things to give away to our fans. So that's cool. Um, again, uh, I want to say that uh, what 
and, and you may have saw our statement on uh, Twitter about it. Um, what founders did was not right, but what founders is doing now to make up for what they did is pretty cool. Um, if you hadn't seen founders is giving a hundred percent of their profits for the next three years to Detroit charities, um, helping the community and the schools and stuff like that. Um, they know they have a problem. They're trying to fix the problem. Um, that's one step toward doing it. So while it does not decrease the, uh, what happened, it does not get rid of what happened. Um, it's taking a step in the right direction. And um, I'm here for whatever helps the community. So that's that's my statement on that. Uh, but you can follow uh, the you can find our podcast online at iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Radio.com app, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbean, um, everywhere. I'm pretty sure we're broadcast on a random satellite out in the middle of space somewhere. So uh, you can find us there. But for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.